This podcast in Lark sounds easy, doesn't it? Well, it is when you've got the right equipment, such as Monkey Banana Happer podcasting microphones. If you're liking how we're sounding now, head on over to Monkey Banana and check out their great range of products. If you're in the market for live sound, studio sound, or just podcasting like us, they're a fantastic brand for you. Find their stuff at monkey-banana.de or check out our website, gottill5.com and follow the links. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome to the Got Till Five Wrestling Podcast with me, Max Curtin, and my host, Jesse Patrick Benz. Daddy's home! Daddy's home. How are you, my friend? I'm alright, how are you? I'm good. That good. intro... I've been watching Bob Ross, so I feel chill. You sound chill. Yeah, I'm so chill. <laughs> Did you learn anything from Bob Ross? Have you got any more painting techniques? There were so many happy little trees. Uh, the the main thing that I um, learned is that Bob Ross doesn't have a fingernail on his right index finger. See, There's I some thought... news. I don't know what to do with this information, but I feel like the world needs to know. You just you just want to tell thousands of people right now. Yeah, about there was a clip. There was a clip of him feeding some squirrels with a syringe, and you could see his finger, and there was no nail on it. Well, and I was a... eating as well. It was disgusting. Well, the man's a war veteran, so... If, all that's, if, left, if that's the worst injury, yeah, you're doing all right. He's doing all right for himself, let's be honest. Um, I've got to give kudos to you straight off the bat. This is your fourth straight week doing a podcast. Is it? Yeah. So, like, oh. I got injured, you filled in and did it with Steve. Then I came back, we did a show together. Last week we recorded with uh, that podcast doing the Survivor Series review. I'm the fucking Iron Man of podcasting. You really are, mate. You really are. You're, I didn't even going... realise I'd done that. That's how lonely my life is. You're going above and beyond, is what you're doing. I know. I know. Thank you. Bloody hell. Thanks. So, this week we are doing top five betrayals in wrestling. So, people who have been stabbed in the back by a friend, a mentee, whatever the case may be. We will be recapping that a little bit later on. We've also Which is basically heard... every wrestling storyline that's ever been. It always happens at some point. Yeah, pretty much. If you're a tag team, then that's... Just it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And then we've been speaking to the Got Till 5 Milky Way universe. You guys have given us a lot of responses as well. So we'll be going through those a little bit later. And we also have a special guest coming up in a little bit, which is very exciting. Because Jesse doubted that I was going to do it this week. So fuck you. You didn't tell me that we had a guest this week until earlier today, and I was so ready to go in on you for not organising anything and being a little bitch, and now everything that I wanted to say has just gone out the window. I don't know what to do. There you go. You just sit quietly and think of your happy little trees. Think of England. Think of England. Um, Also, exciting news, which we've kind of been keeping a little bit secret, is uh, we have a new sister podcast. Yes, we do. It's called Game Till 5, and it's hosted by Steph and Nikki, and they're awesome. They talk about top five video game stuff. Their first episode's out. They did top five video game protagonists. Um, They're adorable. They're funny. They're very knowledgeable. um, And if they surpass us in popularity, I will kill them. Yeah, it's true. Jesse said they'll die bouncing, which I think... They will die bouncing. That's that's my official um, stance on on the matter. 
Yeah, so we thought we'd expand Got to Five a little bit. It's something I wanted to do for a while. And when the idea came up that um, they were looking at doing a podcast, I was like, why don't you just kind of do our format? And then we can kind of, um, yeah, just look at expanding. So check them out on iTunes and on Twitter, Game Till Five. Also on our website, gottill5.com forward slash Game Till Five. You'll be able to find them on there as well. So uh, so we own, we own them now, right? That's we do own works. them. We own women. Okay, cool. All right, Wicked, just checking. 2018. <laughs> great <laughs> me too uh so top five protagonists is their first episode and i think they're doing like top five ps1 next next week so uh stay tuned to the twitters for all of that stuff but you guys are here to talk about wrestling so let's talk about some goddamn wrestling our guest this week is a very dear personal friend of mine which is very exciting for me we have joining <laughs> us today max's mum <laughs> Well done. We have the Elliot Jordan experience. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, Max. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for not acknowledging Jesse. That makes me very happy straight off the bat. Yeah, I'm just going to apologize to Jesse that I am not Max's mom. I am sorry that he's been disappointed there. Right, Elliot. So, um, you've been having a bit of a good year, haven't you? Yeah, I like to think 2018 has been... It, it's been the year of the experience, shall we say. Um Still got a couple of weeks left, got a few more dates left, so it's going to get better, I think. Yeah, well, I was was going to say, you've got a lot coming up this weekend, haven't you? And then a couple more at the end of the month. Yeah, I've got, um, we've got Kamikaze Pro, Frost Fight 6 on Saturday, and that's always the, it's always the best event of the year, it's crazy, there's there's always so many surprises and things going on. Um, I've then debuting for New Star Pro Wrestling on Sunday. They've got a star contenders tournament going on, so I'm hoping to be leaving their number one contender. And then I'm rounding off the weekend by fighting 15-year-old Chantal Jordan on Sunday for Kamikaze Pro Live 16. And uh, that is going to be mental because she is a black belt in kickboxing. She's an MMA beast. And I'm going to drop a 15-year-old girl on her head. It's going to be great. See, this is why we invited you on. This is You're awesome. at our level. This yeah. is my kind of wrestler. That um, that's. I feel like that's the sort of career I'd be pursuing if I was a pro wrestler. Just fighting fifteen-year-old girls. Yeah, leave leave out the black belt shit. I'm not interested in those fifteen-year-old girls. Just the ones that can't fight. Give me them. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you've got a career there, mate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> She's gonna get dropped on red, and I'm gonna stamp stamp on the back of it, just like everyone else. So. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. And speaking of you, like number one contendership, let's just run through what you've done recently. So you got that WPW contract in a case, Kamikaze Pro Bank on It briefcase. So with those, you can challenge for a title at any point. Uh, MBW champion, and you are currently standing at a seven zero undefeated streak in Kamikaze. Actually eight. It's actually eight. eight. When, when I won did the eighth happen? Don't disrespect him. The ladder match was the eighth. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, you I can, uh, if if I win on Saturday and I win on Sunday, I can finish the year ten and all for Kamikaze. So nice, that'll be good. How was the ladder match? Because you obviously, when we do training, you don't really get trained for ladder matches and stuff. Um, and you're in there with who, who was it? Legero, Fantasmo. Who else was in there? It was Legero, Fantasmo, Jack Stars, Cage Utler, Charlie Evans, and Robbie X. So I was in there with some of the best, some of the best workers this country's, this country's got. Um, but yeah, like you say, there's there's no training for getting thrown into a thrown into a ladder. That's just 
just one of them things I was just going to experience for the first time out there, and I can tell you it is not fun at all. Not fun at all, a <laughs> bit. But the the match itself was probably one of my favourite matches of the year. It was absolutely, absolutely crazy. Uh, I got through into the ladder, I think five, five times, and uh, each time I had someone running in it and a strike on me from the corner. So that that wasn't fun. I got I got to live out a childhood dream though, and uh, I got to be Matt Hardy for thirty seconds. I got to when I side effect hit the side effect, should I say, on Jack Stars from three quarters of the way up the ladder. I mean, it was fun un- until the impact. That that one was probably the most painful part of the match. But yeah, like you say, I managed to climb the climb the ladder at the end. And when I won that briefcase, I mean, as 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 much as I was celebrating being the bank on it briefcase holder, I was also celebrating that the match was now over and I could just climb down the ladder. Fair point. Fair point. Now, um, now we've known each other for for a while now. But one thing I realised, I don't really know kind of your background with like your history of wrestling. Now, am I kind of right in thinking that you kind of came late to the game watching wrestling? Yeah, I actually I didn't watch wrestling until I was in my second year of uni and uh, me and my best mates had moved into a house together. And uh, we were just up one night, I think probably pre-drinking, and uh, Monday Night Raw was on because we got Sky. They yeah. both watched when they were kids. They loved it. I'd, I'd played like uh, the games on my PS1 back in the day. Um, but then we just kept... We kept recording it and we watched it. I think it was building up to the Bragging Rights 2010 pay-per-view. And oh, so wow, we decided okay. we'd, we'd buy that. We'd have a few drinks and that, make a night of it. Um, and I remember watching that match. It was the the big SmackDown versus Raw tag. Edge and Rey Mysterio just cleared up for uh, SmackDown. And it, it just literally got me hooked. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I found out that one of the people I worked with at Walkabout in Middlesbrough, they they actually trained wrestling, so they took me along one time, and um, I was just thinking, oh, I'll go in it just for the fitness sort of thing, but got to try, um, and then I ended up taking it a lot more seriously, moved down to Birmingham. Uh, I was in Birmingham for a couple of weeks, and that's when the Kamikaze Pro Dojo started, and the rest, rest kind of history, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever kind of made a point to kind of go back and check out matches were there like eras where you've gone back and watched and gone oh shit this is really good or have you just kind of stayed consistent from there oh yeah I mean when um, when I used to watch it and stuff I just used to watch the WE for the first for the first couple of years and then since I've been in Birmingham training like these past four years I've been I've got the network I watch all sorts I mean I love I love Ring of Honor New Japan and all a lot of the British stuff I watch like Progress the ICWs I don't actually watch that much WE anymore. It's mainly just the NXT um, and the NXT UK, just because they're on the network and it's it's easily accessible sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely gone back. Watch, even though I've only been watching wrestling for like seven years, I've I've been watching. I've probably watched the same amount of wrestling as like yourself or someone who's been who's been <laughs> in it. Just yeah, just consume it. I, I think everyone's kind of in the same boat with WWE at the moment. Like everyone we interview, everyone we talk to now is just like, yeah, I just don't watch the product. It's NXT, and that's pretty much it. That everyone kind of focuses on. Yeah, that's it. Cause, I mean, the NXT, it's the, it's the great format. I mean, the the one hour shows. There's a, there's what usually about three or four matches and things. They're all good quality matches, and the takeover shows are just they're just some of the best stuff WWE's done in recent years. Whereas you watch the Raws and Smackdowns. It's three. I mean, SmackDown's two hours and Raw's three hours, but you're getting probably three or four matches, 
that aren't like one minute, one, two minute matches and stuff. It's just, you sit there and just get bored and end up doing something else really with it. Yeah, I haven't got the time. I haven't got the time to watch like a three hour roll. You can't can't live a normal life and watch all the WWE stuff that they have on offer. It's ridiculous. Well, it's crazy, but why is someone going to sit there and watch a three hour, three hour show that's, that's just not very good anymore when they can go and watch hundreds of different indie shows and things and it's it's a much better quality of wrestling yeah 100%. yeah absolutely they've definitely uh yeah capitalized up their game a little bit now so when i started training at cami um it was kind of a case of like i'd see you every now and, like i knew you trained on the wednesdays and i trained on the mondays and stuff and then there was a time i remember when it was like you and mika on the main show doing a tag team match and then it was kind of a case of you disappeared for a little bit but then when you came back, it was kind of a case of you were training constantly, you were getting booked on all the shows, and you almost kind of became this like locker room leader because you were just like constantly at training and it's like what everyone looked up to. What was your kind of change for like, okay, this is me 100%? Um, it was, the thing is, because when, when I first debuted for Kamikaze, I was doing the, I was the Wolf of Broad Street, Elliot Jordan. Sort of thing, you know. Was, there wasn't really there wasn't the live shows back then. It's when me and Mika started on the main shows, um, so that was really the only match experience I was getting, sort of thing. And to be honest, I wasn't really I didn't really enjoy the character and things. Um, a lot of times, I was I was just going out there and like as Mika's manager, sort of thing. So I wasn't I wasn't really having a lot of fun. I wasn't really in in love with it, sort of thing. Um, so then when when I kind of come off that, I stopped doing the main shows and things and I came back and I was just like, I actually had a conversation with James and we were like, right, we need to, I think we need to change your character sort of thing. Uh, and then the Elliot Jordan experience came around. I was, I was really focused on the training and everything. I was in, I was enjoying things a lot more. Um, yeah. And because of that, and then when the, the Kamikaze live shows started they got a lot more regular um and a couple of a couple of promotions around birmingham around the rep like the west midlands area in dudley and places like that started getting more reps working for them um and so it meant when when i got the call back to i was pretty sure i was wrestling jack stars in the i can't remember the name of the event but it was last it was last september now september 2017 came back and wrestled Jack Stars as the Elite Jordan experience back on the main shows for Kamikaze. Um, and since then, I wrestled El Fantasma a month later. It was I was I was kind of in full stride sort of thing. I was putting on some good matches. I like to say I was training and I had, I had the support of the dojo. Um, I, I can't put into words how much how like how much support that everyone in the dojo gives each other it is like a, like you'll know it from your own experience it is like a good little family and things yeah like every, it's it's a proper family it is yeah it, it's lovely in a way um and everything just just kind of came came together at the right time um and i've not i've not been able to look back since because yeah everything everything's just worked out really well since since the elliot jordan experience came and I was just like, when I go out there now, I, I absolutely love it. Like, it's the most fun thing I can do going out there and being the Elite Jordan experience now. And I think that shows, and because of that, I've managed to push on and really get out there, like you say. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Uh, I'm going to quick break because my Tesco shopping's arrived, Hooray! everyone. Um, so, what did you have for breakfast today? 
I had a lovely bowl of cornflakes with two bananas. Cornflakes. Um, I the bananas jazz it up. That's good. But I learned recently that the uh, Mr. Kellogg, who invented cornflakes, was a staunch anti-masturbator. Was against oh, yeah. anyone masturbating. So he invented cornflakes as a bland meal to sort of assist people with that. Oh, it's mental. And I feel sorry for his wife. He was he was married for I think it was like a good a good twenty thirty years as well. So you got to feel sorry for his missus there. That is a shame. Did you know that? You sounded like you already knew that fact. Yeah, yeah, I knew. I, I, I found that out a few months ago. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it is a bit messed up. It is, yeah. Like what a strange like detail about our our, our love cereal. I had um, pate on toast this morning, which I've never had for breakfast before, and I don't think I'll be doing it again because I don't think oh, since oh, King yeah. Henry the Eighth, there's never been anyone that's had something so rich first thing in the morning. Oh yeah, that that that's that's a very posh breakfast. That is. Yeah, horrendous though. I, I wouldn't recommend it at all. Oh yeah, you can't be like the more posh you get, the worse it gets. You can't beat your you could all good old like fry up sort of thing or a bowl of cereal. There you go. Yeah, I agree. You've um yeah, you've converted me. That's me from now on. Right, I'm back. You're I'm back. all good. Nice. So so have we you asked for a Tesco shop between seven and eight, and they show up eight minutes beforehand. Brilliant. Well. That's, I mean, we've just done the best bit of the show without you, so I think... Standard. Yeah, so I don't think... Um, I what are you talking you about? I came back leave. in and there, was, and there was, like, breakfast talk. Did you, did you literally just talk about breakfast? We've covered breakfast, masturbation, and King Henry VIII. I was gone, like, two minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'll slot back into the interview then, shall I? I think you better. <laughs> I think I better. Okay, so... Because you've had a lot of matches this year and quite a lot of high-profile ones, who's been your favourite opponent so far? Oh, I know, right? Ah, oh, that's a that's a very good question. I mean, I'll always love wrestling the Hunter Brothers, uh, either Lee, either Lee or Jim. Any match, any match I'm involved with either of them two is it, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and I got to wrestle. I got to wrestle. It was, I was in a singles match against Lee and um, the Empire. March the March fourth, it was one of the first Kamikaze Pro shows of the year. Um, and I, I went into it. I was injured. Lee came in. He was injured. Um, so it ended up being like me versus Lee, and it was only about eight minutes long. Uh, Jim came out, got involved. There was a couple of. I think there was three dick shots in the one. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. Within the five <laughs> seconds, so that that match is one of my favourites of the year. Um, and like I said, the Hunters will always be up there. But I think this year my favourite opponent, uh, it's got to be David Starr. Um, I wrestled him at Underground. No, it wasn't Underground. The it was at Empire. It was the next match after the Hunter Brothers. Um, and I, I said this to him the other day. I was like, that match was like. It was like the the Sting and Ric Flair match for me um, in WCW that really put Sting on the map. Because that match gave me the it gave me the confidence that I could go out um, and put a match on of that quality. Um, like I, I got some really good feedback from that match. Everyone, everyone that uh, that knows me seems seems to say that that's been my best match ever as well. Um, so probably David Starr because he just gave me the the confidence that I could go out there and actually wrestle to that quality. Um, and he, he's such a nice guy as well. I mean, it was a funny story because two, I think it was two or three years ago, uh, him and Timothy Thatcher had to, they ended up staying at my flat for a few days. Like James Adam over, 
uh, for Cami. So I looked after him for that. Um, so then two years later, I'm getting to actually wrestle him on a main show at the Empire in front of an absolutely hellacious crowd. Um, so, yeah, it's got to be David Starr this year. Yeah, also, he, good show. he does seem like a top dude as well. And obviously a stunning, stunningly talented wrestler as well. He, oh, um, yeah. Like, just, yeah, just... like you say, he put you over, um, like, as gave you in that Ric Flair sort of sting way. Like, you sort of see these um, wrestlers of Del- David Starr's sort of ilk and stuff, and they don't have to do that, but they still do, which is so cool. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, he... he... He could have come along and just had just had any old normal basic match, but I mean, I think we were we were supposed to do fifteen minutes, and we ended up we ended up doing about I think it was about twenty eight. The match finished on. <laughs> um, we we just went crazy. It was it was just full throttle from the start. I mean, he actually put me over on Twitter a few days before, said oh, he's, uh, that I was like I think I was I think he said something like I was one of the first people he met when he came over here, um, and we we got on from the start and that so. It was really cool to have that big moment against such a guy like him. I mean, if you ever get a chance to watch the match, it's it's worth it just for the just for the entrances alone. Uh, Colin, good. Yeah. his his whole common his uh, whole entrance commentary and my entrance all from from memory, no cue cards and everything. Um, and if you've heard Max's and David's entrances, you've heard my entrance. You know they're not they're not exactly easy. <laughs> I remember Colin's little celebration after he did it. His, his little, yeah, raise the arms because I don't know how he remembers. They, even just David Starr's entrance alone is enough to kind of boggle the mind. It's basically oh, a soliloquy. It is. Good, good shout, Jesse. Well done. <laughs> so, did you kind of find you learn? Because obviously, when you're in the ring, you're obviously you're, you're still kind of learning and picking stuff up from people. Do you reckon Star was someone that you might have learned the most from? Because I know you've been in there with like guys like Legero and Fantasma and stuff. Like, who do you kind of who's been the best kind of like teacher while wrestling? Um, to be honest, I've I've been very lucky this year that every match I've managed to I've managed to learn little bits from, whether that's been in the ring stuff or or out the back stuff. Every every time I'm in the ring, I'm picking up new things and I'm learning. Um. The person I'll probably learn the most from in the ring this year would actually be be Marshall X. Oh uh, yeah, James the, the Kamikaze, Kamikaze Marshall X, because obviously he's the he's the head trainer at the Kamikaze Pro Dojo, so I've managed to be in the ring loads of times with him in training. But we actually got lucky that we managed to wrestle each other twice this year in the, and it was in only a short span of time. It was only within. I think it was only yeah, it was a week. I wrestled him on like a Friday, and then the following, the following it was week, nothing but wrestling and then uh, commentary, right? Yeah, I wrestled him nothing but wrestling, um, and then the following week at Kamikaze Pro at the Empire. Um, yeah, so it was really it was really good because obviously we knew each other very well going into the match. So whereas whereas usually I'm I'm concentrating on the actual match itself and that when I was out there with James, I was. That was kind of on the on the back foot sort of thing. I knew that I'd be able to do everything fine. I was more, I was getting to learn other little things uh, that I wouldn't pick up in other matches because, like, when you're out there with someone who you you know very well, it's a lot easier to concentrate on other things if that if if that kind of makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Nice. Now let's just quickly talk about gimmick because I know you mentioned earlier you went from like Wolf of Wall 
Wolf of Broad Street. That's really difficult to say. I can see why you got rid of it now. Um, to the streamlined aerodynamic Elite Jordan experience, all of that going on. Um, so that was something that you and James kind of worked on together. How did that kind of like come about? Because basically, it's just you know, you're bold and you got a beard, right? So that literally, <laughs> literally is it to be honest. Because so I was actually sitting, uh, I was sitting on James's sofa. We we're in his flat. And we, he, he just turned around and says, "Oh, we need to we need to change your character in that." And we had a little brainstorm, and he, he just the fans have always since day one in Kamikaze have always been been going on that I'm bald, that I've got an upside down head, and <laughs> they're just completely utter bullies, like absolute bullies. It's ridiculous. Um, so James is like, "Right, we're going to have to think of something to do with that." Um, and in a couple, in a few matches before, I'd, I'd referenced, oh, this, this is the Elliot Jordan experience. Um, I, that That's what you're going to get, sort of thing. So I was just like, well, how about how about just that for a name? Like, make people refer to me as the Elliot Jordan experience. That'd be the whole thing. Um, and I didn't have the streamlines and aerodynamic at the time. I think it was the first or second match, as it. The crowd was just chanting about my hair, well, my lack of hair. And I just turned around and now I'd never said those two words together before. I could probably count on one hand the, the amount of times I'd said that either of them words in my whole life, to be honest. <laughs> but I just turned around to the crowd and I was like, it's not bold. It's streamlined and aerodynamic. <laughs> it, it, it just worked and it just went from there. And then we got the whole, we got the entrance, uh, the entrance with Colin and um, where he wrote the few lines for the announcement and, I just that that's pretty much how it came about and at, at the start it was like if I watched matches of the Elite Jordan experience when it first started it's a lot different to the Elite Jordan experience of now because I've whereas while I've managed to grow as a wrestler I've managed to grow the Elite Jordan experience character parallel to that um the best yeah. way to do it is to say he's just it the Elliot Jordan experience is just an absolute dickhead. <laughs> and they like to boo you. You, you look at, uh, especially Bank on it, that's just happened. When you were climbing up for the briefcase and everyone was just chanting, anyone but Elliot, you know, that's exactly the reaction that you want to be seeing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, it, it's a crazy reaction I get from the, the crowd, I think, because whereas when I make my entrance, everyone everyone's booing me. The they enjoy it as well. Like the the interactions I have with the crowd, people will laugh like the crowd get into it. Even though, even though they don't like me, they've got to they've got to respect the character um, and and the do sort of thing. I'm a dickhead. Yeah. I'm the dickhead that they want to see. Well, it's true. I, I think it's like that that mutual respect thing, isn't it? You you've kind of got that how comedians have. So if someone heckles you, you're immediately on it, and you've got a response for them. And I think that's oh, yeah. what kind of uh, resonates with the crowd. Because normally, you can tell a good bad guy here, whatever, by if someone says something in the crowd and all they do is shut up. You know, that that's just kind of basic. But you always give at least something back. Normally about their physical appearance, which I appreciate. Oh, yeah. I mean, if 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 they're going to insult me because of the way I look, and then they're going to get it back. I mean, my, my, I think my, my favorite insult I've ever given is I called, I called someone a dingle. I saw, they, they, they were hideous to be honest and they were giving <laughs> shit 
And I just turned around to him and I said, "You look like you're an extra off the off Emmerdale. You could be one of the Dingles." <laughs> they, they soon shut up, but every, everyone in the venue thought it was thought it was hilarious, and it got it, it got a good reaction and that. So that that's exactly what I want. Um, I like to think the the interactions I have with the crowd they make they make me who I am in the ring sort of thing yeah yeah I can definitely, definitely see that definitely that's awesome so we're coming up to 2019 now uh, we're rounding out a very good year for yourself what are you kind of um, what do you hope to get out of it what are you looking for in 2019 um, 2019 I'm, I want it to be a big year um, I've had a very good year this year I mean when I went into 2018, um, well, yeah, when I went into this, I had to think what year it was then. Yeah, when when I went into 2018, I'd, I'd had three matches back on the main shows. I'd wrestled Jack Stars, El Fantasmo, and Bram. So my main target for this year was just to become uh, a regular on the roster. And it was funny, I actually just wanted to be in the Bank On It match. That was one of my biggest targets, to just actually compete in that match. And I've finished the year. I've been on every single main main Kamikaze Pro show. I'm eight matches unbeaten. I've won the Banconic briefcase. So next year, I want I, obviously I want a title. I'm going for a title. I want I want to have a title in Kamikaze. Uh, that'd be absolutely amazing. And um, I think I'll have I'll have finished this year on just shy of fifty matches. I think I'm on about 48, so hopefully I can finish this year on 50. But next year, I really want to push it in over 100. want to be in triple figures on the matches. I've got a list of a load of promotions that I want to wrestle for, that I want to debut in next year. So hopefully this this year has been a big year, but I hope by the end of next year, it's small in comparison to my 2019. Definitely. Awesome. Well, I hope so, mate. Have you got any dream opponents for next year? Anyone that you haven't wrestled yet that you're desperate to? Uh, you know, it's a funny question because when I get asked this, I never really, I never really know who to say because the the people who I've want, I want to wrestle, I've wrestled, I've wrestled all the guys from the from the dojo who are all like my, my good friends, and I've got to wrestle Marshall X, the trainer. Both the Hunter brothers. I've got to wrestle David Starr. I think next next year I'd love I'd love to have Cage Utler in a singles match. That I think that'd be really cool. Um, and as well, I'd like to wrestle the. I, I can't remember whether it's Mark or Matt. I just call him Mister Clark. But I'd <laughs> love to wrestle the Clark brothers because along a lot of my training, I was with I was training with the Hunter brothers at their unit. And a lot of the time, uh, both of the Clark brothers would be taking the train and be there as well. So I've, I really get on with both of them. Um, I've no one of them has already retired. So I'd, I really want to wrestle the other one in a in a singles match. I'm hoping I'm hoping it happens at uh, Wolfrun some point next year. So yeah, nice. they no no one really no one really huge there. Uh, I'm sorry, but. But yeah. No, no, it's cool though. And retirement means absolutely nothing in wrestling, so I wouldn't worry about that. Oh yeah, that that's true. That is hundred percent true. <laughs> so we've got a little surprise for you in a second, where we're going to spring a top five on you. I didn't tell you about that because that's just what we do here. Um, but yeah. tell everyone where they can find your socials, what you wrestle, and any merch plugs that you want to do. 
Okay, so you can look me up on Facebook. It's the Elliot Jordan Experience. You can look me up on Instagram. It's also the Elliot Jordan Experience. And you can hit me up on Twitter. It is Elliot Jordan XP. And merch, I have T-shirts and badges available at all shows. You can catch me this weekend at the Cadbury Club Birmingham for Kamikaze Pro Frost 586. That's on Saturday. Sunday, I'm at Newhall Social Club in Swaddling Coat Derby for New Star Pro Wrestling. And then back at the Cadbury Club for Kamikaze Pro Live. So there's three chances to see me this weekend. I hope some of you can make it there. And at the end of the month, I've got nothing but wrestling on the 22nd of December. That's nothing but wrestling versus Kamikaze Pro Live. And that's at the Brook Street Social Club, Tipton, defending my Kamikaze. Yeah, yeah. Defending my nothing but wrestling. There you go. There you go. Championship against Sean Devine. I was going to say you sell out, turning your back on us, Camelot. Oh well, I'm, I was a bit annoyed about it because I'm the only person to have been on every every Kamikaze Pro live show. So I would have liked to have would have liked to have fought for Kamikaze, but I am also Mister Nothing But Wrestling with the Nothing But Wrestling British Championship. So. It's true. There you go. You're in a tough spot there. It's fair. It's fair. Well, uh, I'll be seeing so you. So just just before just before we move on to the top five and everything, um, were you there, Elliot, when Max broke his collarbone? Oh yeah, I literally you... I walked in the door, saw them all, saw them all training. Then I literally just said hello to to the group, went to go to the toilet, and Max broke his collarbone <laughs> for all of about five seconds. And Max broke his collarbone, which is ironic because when Max was it your was it your ankle that you broke last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time when Max broke his ankle, I was also at that training session, so that that's why I'm a bit worried about if me and Max are ever in the same place again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, so I was going to say I'm going to be seeing you this weekend, most probably. So uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Maybe we'll just like wave from across the room, and I'll make sure there's nothing around me. Yeah, that's it. I'll just I'll just stay outside. <laughs> He's my yeah. cursed monkey paw. It, I'm not blaming. <laughs> like it just happens when we're when we're in the same room. We've we've done how many training sessions together now? And there was just those twice. So I think we're good. Oh, I hope I hope so. I hope so. Although I remember once, I think it was when you were testing out your new finisher when you do it. It's the Aero Driver, right? The streamlined aero driver, yeah. Streamlined it. There you go. Sorry, mate. And so we were, we were having a training session, and I think I was talking to Sean, and Elliot just comes up from Miami. He goes, "Hey, Max, can I try something?" And before I can turn around and say no, I got a kick in the stomach. He hooks both my arms and delivers it, and then just stands up and goes, "Yeah, that does look good," <laughs> and then just walks away. Yeah. So cheers for that, mate. That's it. Hey, you you've got the honour of being one of the very first people to be aero <laughs> driven. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, I'll um, yeah, maybe, maybe I just won't wrestle around you, and then oh, no, we'll, no. we'll come together. Match one day, so it's gonna have. Maybe we'll just that'll, that'll just have to be the next next time we physically meet when we're actually in the ring. Done. Book it. <laughs> cut to cut to you being stretched out. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sirens in the background. Okay, so for every guest, uh, Elliot, you are wrestler number eight now, I believe we've had on here. So uh, lucky number eight. We always subject them to a top five, and they either do it really quickly, or they spend about 15 minutes trying to think about it. (laughs) Name and no names. Name and no names, Chris Ridgway. Um, What should we do, Jesse? Should we just go for the standard top five 
I think, I think that, or... that's what people want to hear, isn't it? Like, we always think that we want to go for a different one, but I think people listening who like Elliot or anyone else that we've had on just, just want to hear the basic top five, don't they? It's true. So so what we normally ask is your uh, your top five favourite wrestlers. They could be just, like, people that you enjoy watching. They could be influential to you. Just people maybe in the industry or just people you watch on TV who are just, like, influential to you. Um, okay, I'll have to go... My number one will be Edge. Um, oh, ah, I can see why yes. you two are friends now. Yeah, Ed, like, brilliant choice. At the end of the day, when uh, when I turned on my TV, Edge was Edge was one of the first wrestlers I saw, and he was he was probably the reason the reason I actually got into wrestling in the first place. So it'd have to be Edge's number one. It's exactly my reason, mate. Exactly mine. Number number two. It's, I can understand why people do take a little bit. A little know. bit on this. Um, I know we we mock, but we're full of sympathy, really. Huh. Uh, <laughs> number two, number two. Uh, I'm gonna have to say CM Punk. You know, third, I'm gonna go in uh, Chris Jericho. Solid. As long as he's been in in wrestling, sort of thing, he's always adapted. He's so many different characters and things, and he's always been. So entertaining and uh, and everything. I mean, when when he was doing the whole the list the list of Jericho thing, uh, I think a lot of people started to enjoy wrestling a bit, uh, quite a bit more when he was doing that. Um, and now the stuff the stuff he's doing with New Japan and the cruise of Jericho and how he's popping up everywhere here and there, I I, I just think he's unreal. He's amazing, and he and he's a genuine fucking rock star at the same time. Like. That's just cool, man. It's true. I don't know why he keeps doing what he's been doing all this time. He hasn't missed a step in nearly 30 years. It's ridiculous. There's some Benjamin Button going on. Oh, yeah. It's, it's mental, isn't it? It's absolutely mental. Uh, it's crazy. I had I had my fourth choice in my head, and I was about to say it, and it's just literally straight gone out of there. This, uh, <laughs> this person has clearly affected you greatly. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, it it just popped in on my head and I was like, oh, like the, 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 that that's got to, that's got to be up there. Uh, I can't shit. I can't remember who it was now. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can come back to it. But my number five was going to be Bram. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, Bram's Bram's fucking sick, man. He's such a cool. He, he, he he's such a cool guy. And... He's sound as fuck, isn't he? And the match that you two had was brilliant. Loved the match that oh, you two had. I, it was so much fun. But it's like I got a I got a bit of a story with Bram. Cause it was funny when um, when I used to write, when I first started wrestling up in Middlesbrough. Uh, when I left when I left to come down to Birmingham, they they actually started to use Bram quite a bit in that. Uh, and then we ended up bumping into each other after he did TNA in Birmingham one time. And I was working in Obar. He came he came in with Jason Prime. Um, we just got chatting and stuff. I had a, it, 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 we just like kind of got on and stuff. Like we had a couple of drinks and that, um, and we were talking about like the the whole Middlesbrough thing. Like we had that link and that, um, and then I got to wrestling and stuff, and then we got to spend. I did a few dates for Exposure Wrestling in Wales, and and I was in the car with Bram, and there was a few times it was just me and him doing like we we're in the car for about eight eight nine hours each time. And we we just got on. I mean, he's just such such a cool guy. Like getting to pick, getting to pick his brains about wrestling for for a few hours was was absolutely unreal. Like 
he he loves it. He absolutely loves his business, um, and he cares so much about it. Like he's so passionate about it as well. Uh, and British wrestling is is lucky to have to have people like him in locker rooms and things like that. My fourth choice, I'm going to have to just it's it's a joint. It's just going to be the Hunter Brothers because the any time I'm on a show that they're on, I will always go out of my way to to watch their match because they, they can do it all. It, they're just so entertaining. It, it doesn't matter who they're in there with, how many people are in the crowd, where they are, they will go out there and have an absolutely unreal match. And it's it's just so entertaining. And just because of the fact that when I'm in there with them as well wrestling, it's it's the most fun. Like, when you're wrestling the Hunter Brothers, you're having the time. You're just having such a fun time. And you're also getting to learn so much as well. Like, they are the best tag team in Europe as well. And I do think they're one of the best tag teams in the world as well. And it's an absolute massive game that they're not out there everywhere, all the big places. They deserve it. Yeah, I 100% agree. They're, they're the most underrated best tag team going in Europe today without a shadow of a doubt oh yeah it, every every, t- every time they're in there they're having five star matches and they, they need they deserve to be wrestling in front of thousands of people I would I would absolutely love to see them on NXT UK like, they, they deserve it so much yeah 100% agree more than deserved well that's a solid top five I think we'll put you like middle of the pack of uh, being able to knock out a top five I think TK Cooper still holds the record and I don't think that's getting beaten. Yeah, he just um, verbal diarrhea did, didn't he? In a second, yeah. just all five fell out of his mouth at once. Exactly. So, uh, so, so you're the in the middle of the pack there, Elliot. That's good. The podcast is called Got Tall Five. I should have, I should have expected something like this. So I'm happy with, <laughs> I'm happy with that. So. Yeah, exactly. It's good timing. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Um, I'll, I'll catch up with you uh, this weekend. Uh, but for anyone listening, go check out um, Elliot's twitters and everything like that uh check out the kamikaze uh video on demand service to to find out some more of his matches uh a hell of a talent who's going to go very far in the future um so make sure you go and check out some more matches and support that's what this is all about this is why we bring these people on so you guys can get to know them uh so yeah check out more elliot thank you for joining us and yeah hope it wasn't hope it was painless for you no, I've, I've had a lot of fun tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, Cheers, Elliot. I hope everyone listening does check out my social media, and I hope to see a few of you at shows. Please come up and approach me at shows. Um, and, Max, I'm so excited you're going to be there this weekend. Right. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll just nod from across the room. I'll text you from across the room. Yeah, just give me a nice, a nice wave. <laughs> it'll do mate <laughs> alright I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon bud thanks for joining us and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon mate take care thank you Bye-bye. cheers and that was the Elliot Jordan experience so as I said go and check out everything that he plugged there and uh, if you're in the Birmingham or West Midlands area go check out every show he's on because um, 100% a- I believe that he is a great talent and uh, worth watching so go check him out what a lovely man lovely man with his upside down face with his upside face see i i feel like um every time we have a guest we have an we also have a new friend right that's, that's yeah. what we're doing here we're building memories building memories building friendships building bridges and 
We can all love each other. For God's sake, Max, give me a kiss. <laughs> right. Um, okay, we got top five to get to. We do. We talked for quite a while on that one. That was yeah, uh, my not good. <laughs> you didn't say anything. Yeah, I know. I was quite quiet for that one, would I? You were just nattering away. Sorry. Um, that's all right. I just sat here touching things. Touching um, okay. okay. Touching me, touching you. So we are doing our top five betrayals in wrestling. Basically, what's going to happen to this podcast? One of us is going to betray the other one. Oh, definitely. I don't know who's going to do it first. Like, either I'm, I'm going to find a new co-host, or you're just going to leave me. Or I'll be... Well, that's it. It's, so I couldn't do this show without you, but I could certainly get drafted to another show and just fuck you over and run away. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's more my style. I get very nervous with the podcast draft that comes up every year. <laughs> very scary time. <laughs> No, I think we'll I would. Together. I would. I would definitely turn heel on you, though. If, oh, definitely, um, it's in your it characteristics. Yeah, exactly. I would be the bad guy of the situation. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, betrayals, as Jesse said at the start of the show, it's pretty much every wrestling storyline that's ever existed, ever really. So we've got a fair few, and you feel like there's going to be some crossovers, don't you? And I, kind oh of yeah, agree. we're definitely going to have some crossovers. I'm going with like two, two, two's my money. Uh, Two. <laughs> yes. You sound committed to that. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I'm going with two. I agree with you. Okay. So with me and Jesse do have a crossover, because the last couple of episodes, we've actually been pretty good. I don't remember the last time we had a proper crossover episode. No, nor me. Um, it might have been that... No, that didn't, it doesn't count as a crossover when you just swooped in and took my Kurt Angle match, does it? still angry about that aren't you i'm so fucking not a day goes by when i don't think about it and kick a lamb kick a lamb (laughs) (laughs) justified justified uh if me and jesse do have a crossover this is the drop that you're gonna hear played oh son of a bitch which is a solid drop we should just use for every single crossover because it's how we react every single time we're just like oh son of a bitch (laughs) yeah you're right it is um it sums up how i feel about you quite often Lovely. Um, so I'm going to... So the fridge is in my eye line right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play the top five intro drop, going to go get myself a beer, and be back in time for it to finish. If it doesn't, Jesse, are you prepared to kick in with an introduction? I will kick in with an introduction. I'm, I'm here ready. For you. you ready? You ready? I'm ready. Here it comes. Race. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Are you ready? Hell yeah! You fans can stick it, brother! Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. Me! Wasn't even a challenge. Wasn't even a challenge. Easy. Easy. I came in on Booker T. Still got time to enjoy the sick uh, Ric Flair drop. Nice. Oh, okay. Let's talk about wrestling. Alright, um, who's going first? Me? Okay. Um, I'm yeah. going to start with um, one from WrestleMania 20. This is from. This really? is Trish Stratus turning on Chris Jericho. This is my Christian. Honourable mentions. But this is in your top five, really. Yeah, I just think that... I just remember um, that... Like, it genuinely surprised me. It was a real shock when it happened. It was something I had, hadn't factored at any point happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember being shocked as well when it happened. 
I thought it was great. and made um, made Jericho look like a right old cuckold. <laughs> is this, hang on, is this the only reason you put it in your list so you can use the term cuckold? It's Jesse's it word of the day today. It might be a reason. But it's, <laughs> it's a good reason as any. Um, but no, genuinely, it was good. When you think like um, this is coming after, do you remember at Armageddon? Um, it was Jericho and Christian against Lita and Trish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? And that was a really surprising... For what it was, you know, telling its sort of soap opera story, it was a really good match. But the way Christian just, like, threw the women around was so dickish. You know, he played an amazing heel. And the fact that they they very heavily alluded that Trish Stratus went with Christian because she sort of liked being knocked around like that. Oh, I remember and, the yeah, in commentary. Yeah, exactly. And, um, they, and they, they just played it so well, I think. And Trish did an amazing job as a heel in this run um it was just a fa- fantastic turn so that i didn't expect i thought trish was going to be this baby face like you know girl next door character for the rest of her career and then she busts this out and does it so convincingly and obviously i was a lot younger back then and it just hit me in a very strange way <laughs> in your downstairs never regions it may be i think maybe seeing you know, it's a shame that Christian was involved, but seeing Trish um, suck face that passionately. Oh, that kiss. Do you, I, I remember 14-year-old me got very happy when I saw that kiss. And when she did the, like, uh, the wipe of the lipstick, good yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. Good yeah. God. For, yeah, well, we were 14 when this happened, right? So um, it was. I was like literally just... No, I was 13, because March the 14th was WrestleMania 20. It's pathetic that I know that. So I was 13 for another three days. Um, and yeah, it was it was good stuff memories i look i can't believe you you used a top five spot just to get the term cuckold in <laughs> i was me and max were talking about cuckolds on facebook earlier as you do um, as you do just because um, i just think the word is quite funny so i started using it a lot and um, i googled just i wanted to just send us something funny so i googled cuckold gif um do not google cuckold gif unless <laughs> unless um it's not like I, funny things don't come up. It's just um, it's very pornographic. See, this is the service Jesse offers to the world. He searches the stuff so you don't have to. Exactly, cuckold gif. No, <laughs> I have been tempted all day, but I won't. I'm going to leave it. Um, my number five <clears throat> comes from a sorry. Clear my throat like I was going to say it's an important number, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> my number five comes from a very important time in my era of wrestling. It's when I was like properly getting invested, and it was running through my veins. 2002, before SummerSlam, Triple H goes and ruins the DX reunion by Pedigree and Shawn Michaels. Oh, son of a bitch! Was that this, yours? this is only your number five. This yeah, is man. my number three. This was. Oh, okay. Mm. I've. Uh... I feel like you're going to take some like low ones from me, so it's fine. It'll work out. We'll talk about this together then. Let's have a chat. Okay. This um, one's quite important. So no, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. Oh, fuck it out. Well, you can't invite me in and then just yakety yak yak. You get to like pepper in what I'm going to say. Uh, I haven't actually well, written then. many notes for this because um, they're just moments and you remember moments. It's pretty straightforward, I, isn't it? So I never write notes ever. I know you don't. You're such a goddamn professional, Jesse Benz. So Shawn Michaels comes back, uh, Triple H and him are like, let's do a DX reunion. Like, yeah, man, that sounds sweet. That's how they talk in wrestling. And yeah. they come out to the and, ring. And when, when, when they said, let's do a DX reunion in 2002, it, didn't, it wasn't as pathetic as later years. Yeah, Jesse's still bitter about 2006. Fuck's sake. 
this actually led to one of the best storylines of 2002. So they were like, let's reform DX. They got the t-shirts on. They cut off the sleeves because you got to show those guns off. Come out to the DX music. Do the crotch chopping of, you know, suck it down there. And <laughs> and everyone's like, suck it, suck it down suck there. Suck it down there. Isn't that what you say to, to, the, to the people, ladies? Suck it, suck it down there, love. Suck it down there. <laughs> we talked to Elliot too long. <laughs> uh, so... You're in the ring, and uh, they don't like the promo stuff, and Sean's about to do his like, and if you're not down with that, and then Triple H delivers a pedigree, breaking the hearts of many 12-year-old boys across the English nation. And only their hearts. And yes, it was... Um, <laughs> it was very... It was It was really a real big shock at the time. And it was. Also, the fact that Shawn Michaels was retired at this point, so we didn't sort of expect him to come... We didn't know he was going to come back for a match or a whole fucking second wave of an amazing career at this point. So the fact that that happened, it was like, what? This is what's the point? Triple H is being a dick to someone who's got a broken back. Like, this is horrible. <laughs> you your crippled friend. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who does that? Slapping a guy in a wheelchair. But um, it, it happened and we were all sad about it. And yeah, just genuinely out of nowhere. And as you say, led to a absolutely stunning SummerSlam match. I, and the second wave of Shawn Michaels' amazing career. I was so invested because obviously the following week, uh, Triple H comes out and he's like, uh, the game has p- surpassed you, Shawn. I was carrying this company. And then it cuts to Shawn's been attacked backstage. Someone threw his head through like a limousine window. And it's all like, who done it kind of thing. And Triple it was kind of cool storytelling from a WWE standpoint. They were like, oh, we're going to find out who did it. And Triple H was like the head investigator looking into this. And then Sean comes on, like, via satellite a couple of weeks later. And then they do the crappy pixelated CCTV to re- to reveal that it was uh, Triple H who did it. And just Triple H is, you're goddamn right it was me, Sean. Love it. <laughs> I love soap opera wrestling, and I miss it so much. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, my number five, um, the cuckold storyline, was very much a um, soap opera storyline as well. Yeah. and But... Um, this this one as well at the end of that SummerSlam match i'm sure we've talked about it before the really good looking sledgehammer sh- sledgehammer shots to Shawn michaels the triple h just never did to anyone except his best friend yeah. he just he would always do the stupid ones when he'd hold the front of the sledgehammer with his own hand and hit people that looks lame but he did proper good sledgehammer shots to Shawn Michaels' back. Well, he he rarely targeted people's backs. Like, I think Shawn is the only person he's hit in the back with a sledgehammer because Shawn had a broken back. And you can kind of, like, graze someone's shoulder blades and it looks good. But you can't really... I wouldn't want someone to risk fake hitting me with a sledgehammer in the head. No, fair play. You know? So, yeah. But it is lame when he covers it up. Like, what are you doing? You put more power in your fist? What's the key f- What's the William Regal explanation for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need you, Mr. Regal. Tell us, please. And yeah, they had a great match at SummerSlam, as we've mentioned on our Top 5 SummerSlam Matches podcast. Go check it out. And um, yeah, it was great. And then Sean had a career that lasted another... When did he retire? 2010. 2010. Another eight years. Mania, Mania 26. Of yeah. Sean. And yeah, that's ridiculous. Happen. And only had one world title win in that whole second wave of his career. But was in the main event was... world title chase for the whole eight years. Yeah. Survivor Series 2002, the Elimination Chamber, held it for a grand total of a month before losing it back to Triple H at Armageddon. Oh, 2002, how we miss you. 
Yeah, that was that's the same year that um, Hulk Hogan beat Triple H for the uh, WWE title as well. Yeah, I had that on VHS, Backlash, Backlash 2002. That's the one. Yeah, really weird story about that. So we'd come back from New York on holiday, and so this is how torturous my parents were. So we left on Christmas Eve, and I was allowed to open up some presents that had been sent to me by an auntie and uncle. I opened up and I was like, oh my god, Backlash on VHS, this is amazing. And then I'll always remember my parents being like, put it down, we've now got to go on holiday. And I did not want to go on that <laughs> holiday, my friend. So for the whole, oh, no. it was great. New York was fantastic. But in the back of my head, I was like, there's fucking Backlash waiting for me at home. Sitting there. Oh. I flew back home, jet lagged as fuck. Didn't know what jet lag was at the time. I popped in my VHS and started watching Backlash. Got to about the main event. And I was so jet lagged that I started kind of like, you know when you go into that half dream, half hallucinating state? I had like this dream I was like ringside watching this Hulk Hogan Triple H match. And then I imagined crazy stuff that just didn't happen in that match. Like This really is weird, weird stuff. mate. I know, right? I'm going like fourth dimension weirdness on this one. And I imagine... It's weird that this would have happened when you were like 12. Yeah. And you could still remember it. Yeah, man. Really clearly. That's how much... That's how vivid these hallucinations were. You're weird. You're weird. <laughs> you Wendy, I, I like how like you're so angry at your parents for taking you on holiday from New York to New York. <laughs> like how, how how abusive of them. <laughs> Bitch, I have backlash to watch. <laughs> That's like that reminds me of I I know I've told you before when um Gold and Silver, the Pokemon games, came out and it was just like the hottest thing in the fucking world and I managed to get it the day it came out, except I'd left my Game Boy on holiday in France. So I had the game but I didn't have the Game Boy. And back then, it took like seven to ten days to get somewhere posted back to England. And that was just torturous. I was so desperate to play Gold and Silver and just couldn't. I must have read that instruction manual thousands of times. Uh, our privileged white upbringing has been hell. I know. We just discussed the worst um, the worst moments of our lives. And <laughs> yours involves a holiday to New York and mine involves... Um, a trip to the south my of grandparents France. in the south of France. Yeah, well, yeah. I could not play my Pokemon game. <laughs> oh, and everyone stopped listening. All right, what's, what's your number four? Well, uh, talking of fantastic storytelling, I think this is some of the best storytelling WE... I, I, I nearly said WWE have done in recent years, but it's not recent years. We're just fucking old. But um, <laughs> my number four is Batista turning on Evolution. Oh, I was ready to press the drop button. Okay. Ah. Um, so this was in 2005, just after Batista won the Royal Rumble. Um, and just the whole... they uh, Triple H and Batista have been interviewed, and they said that um, when they knew that Batista was going to be a big thing. Vince McMahon, in true Vince McMahon fashion, wanted to spunk his load straight away and just said, let's have the match now! Let's do it now! And Triple H was like, no, we need to, like, this could be great if <laughs> no, we... No, <laughs> put it down. <laughs> but, like, we, if we pace this correctly, we could do a beautiful slow build and some really good storytelling. Like what happens in NXT now. And that's exactly what um batista and triple h did just these subtle things like these backstage bits when batista was still with evolution and everything but just these little looks that he'd give triple h when triple h would say something or the way that batista would react was just planting these tiny little seeds that batista wasn't happy and maybe he was realizing there was something going on here and it all culminated to um batista having the contract and triple h saying you should sign 
to challenge for the SmackDown title, then you'll go to SmackDown. I'll stay here as world champion. We can take over WWE. Banging. I watched it and earlier. It was a fucking 10-minute promo to Triple H cut trying to convince Batista to challenge for SmackDown. It was long. That's possibly the shortest promo Triple H has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, um, it's, but so it happens, and then Batista finally, echoing when they kicked Randy Orton out of Evolution, does the down thumbs, and um, Batista bombs Triple H, and leads up to... Uh, the match wasn't anything special, Triple H, Batista at Mania, but the build, I thought, based on this and the way they slowly... But Batista had, like, acting chops back then. Do you know what I mean? It's no surprise yeah. to me that he's had the career he's had, because, like, the way he... As I said, the way he acted in these promos and backstage vignettes and stuff, he was really good, really good. And just the subtleties of it that you don't see in wrestling all that much, with the exception of NXT, as I said... Um, is, was phenomenal and led to the money. Um, WrestleMania 21, it's been surpassed since, obviously, but WrestleMania 21 was the highest grossing WrestleMania at that time. And I think it's purely because people wanted to see Triple H Batista because the story had been so good. Yeah, I 100% agree. It was definitely better than the uh, JBL John Cena of the evening, that's for sure. So you put yes, it in that standard, yes. it's like a five-star classic. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love that moment when... He's got the Raw and the SmackDown contract, and uh, Triple H and Ric Flair just thumbs up, and they're like, yeah, do it. And Batista goes, I know what I'm going to do for a long time. And he throws the Raw contract down, and Bischoff in the back starts like slamming the table, like, god damn it, I've lost him. <laughs> and just a slow turn down of the thumbs. Because uh, when he throws the Raw contract down, this is how you know you've got a good portrayal or a good term. You can hear a guy in the crowd going, no, no, no! He's that passionate about it. <laughs> And then when Batista yeah, turns pretty... the thumbs down, the crowd just absolutely lose it. And they're so happy. That, and then it's, it's great. You so rarely like have Batista had become a firm fan favourite whilst being a heel as Triple H is lackey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like ha- that's that's incredible that they achieved that. And obviously turned him into a um massive star um after that. But yeah, just so good. And there was a um the first ever New Year's revolution. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, where Cuba. they had an elimination chamber, which was, yes, that's right, um, which was a couple of weeks before the Royal Rumble. And um, all the, uh, Batista, Randy Orton, who was out of Evolution at that point, and Triple H were all in that elimination chamber. And um, it, the, even the, little, the subtle storytelling in that as Batista, you know, thinking twice, and it was his hesitation that got him eliminated from that match. He was about to sort of capitalise on Triple H when he could. Then he didn't, got hit with an RKO and eliminated. And that was because he hesitated and he could have been world champion that night if he'd followed his heart. It's just so, it's so well done. It was really, really good. Really good time. Definitely. I always, because obviously we grew up watching Evolution and they were such a great faction as a team. You know, people talk about, you know, watching NWO and DX and all those kind of great fat four horsemen and stuff. And then you don't really appreciate at the time how great Evolution were and just how kind of influential they were during that, that time period. I love Evolution so much. And Yeah, I agree. The, the setup of it is great. And it, and it worked, didn't it? I mean, Triple H stayed, yeah. on, stayed on top when that faction was around, which was the job of it. Um, Ric Flair became relevant to a whole new generation of wrestling fans when I don't think he necessarily would have done without Evolution. And Randy Orton and Batista became huge stars, both of which are huge stars. You know, Batista not in wrestling anymore, but they're still both um, both the huge stars in their industries. Batista's still a Hall of Famer, taking away his, ho- his Hollywood career. He's still a bona fide Hall of Famer, no matter what. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
Good choice. Good choice. Was that my choice or your choice? My choice. That was my choice, you son of a bitch. Well, yeah. <laughs> son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was a free one. A bonus. <laughs> bonus drop. Badum. All right. What's your number four? Three? What are we doing? What, what happened? Doing? What are you on about? What I just did my number four, so do your number three. Hang on. No, no, no. We've gone wrong here somewhere. Oh, we haven't. No, because I haven't done my number four yet, so... Oh, so do your number. Yeah, I started, then you did yours, then I did mine, now you do yours. You're on four, go. So, no, yeah. No, hang on, so who picked... Oh, wait, never mind, that wasn't a crossover. Fuck, I'm really confused. That took a, What's going that on? That took a minute. That's a bit embarrassing. falling apart, yeah. Max. Got till five's gone to shit. It's, it's, we've literally never got confused about this before. You know what, guys? Just turn off and go listen to Game Till 5. We're, we're over a year in. Yeah. yeah, go listen to Game Till 5. They're um, snaking up on us, aren't they? <laughs> they're new and professional. I actually care about what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> Steph has a, fo- has a posh phone voice on in the first episode. It's brilliant. Exactly. You try and say Nikki's common. No, uh, Nikki is. Steph is very much you, and Nikki is me of the Game Till 5, I think, you, when you listen to it. You them. have no idea how similar. No idea. <laughs> uh, my number four is probably. It's like sorry, sorry, sorry. Just before you say, um, it's like the um, Steph and Nikki on Game Till Five. It's like those episodes of Adventure Time with Fiona and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's how I'm viewing them Game Till Five. Oh my god, that's perfect. That's exactly how yeah. it is. I love it. <laughs> my, my, sorry, go my for number it. four is uh, probably one of the hottest feuds of the past year, two years. Of- don't actually remember how long it's been going for now. Uh, but it's from the lovely land of NXT. Champa betrays Gagano and again breaks everyone's heart. Yes, this is a good one. And I think I've said, I, I know I've told you, I can't remember if I've said it on here or not. Um, I didn't actually know this happened until about a week after. Yes. Because I, I, I watched the takeover, but once Authors of Pain won that match, I just turned it off. So I was like, oh, that's the end of the show. Just turned it off and went to bed or whatever. So I had no idea that Champa had turned on Gargano for the longest time, and everyone was freaking out, like about you know, you know, you see like threads on, um, yeah. and it's like no spoilers, but did you see what? And I was like, well, it was a good show, but nothing crazy. What are they talking about? And then I obviously find out later, and I'm quite embarrassed. The biggest heel at any NXT takeover is the copyright symbol that comes up at the end of the show. Yes, especially when it comes to Gargano and Champa, because it, it comes up, and you're like, ah, oh, end of the show, and then something happens afterwards. It's well, it worked on me. Yeah, works a treat. So they had the grueling match against AOP in Chicago. Gagano and Champa walk up the ramp. They made their commentary did a great job of this. The crowd are like standing ovation, and the commentary is saying they made their name here in Chicago. They're hugging on the entrance ramp, and it's a really it's a really tender moment. It's really quite sweet. And then you just see Champa mouth to Gagano, "This isn't your moment. This is my moment." And he takes him by the back of the head and throws him into the Titan Tron. And again, the crowd, I think in unison, go, no! <laughs> I think that's the exact noise all 13,000 people made in that arena that night. 100%. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. It, it's a case of Champion Gagano, especially for me, from my standpoint, I was like, they make me like believe in wrestling from a WE standpoint again. I just loved watching them. And they were so good as a tag team. You know how much of a tag team guy I am. And I was like, I've got my two perfect guys together. And then for that bold bastard to do that to my sweet prince, I'll never forgive him. And Chicago. Chicago was a perfect place to do it as well. It was everything was perfect. And it's this feud is still going on and I'm still invested. It's been going it's on for like two years. 
it's still going on, but they're both healed now. It's, it's sort of it's strange the way it's take this the way it's gone, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant storytelling. I absolutely love it the way they've kind of been doing it. Um, that you know, Gargano can't beat Champa, and he, he if you can't beat him, you join him or if you live long enough to become the villain, whatever moniker you want to use. And yeah, it's just fantastic. I I, I loved it, and every single match that they had. You knew they were going to have good chemistry because if you've ever watched a Cruiserweight Classic when they faced each other, that match is probably one of my favourite matches. It's very short, but it's one of my favourites just for the storytelling aspect. And then every match they did at TakeOver after that, okay, it was some kind of like variation of an Extreme Rules match, but every single one was damn entertaining. And yeah, when we're going to do our top five match of the year, a lot of them are going to be Champa and Gargano. Yeah, I think so. You could, uh, yeah, you could almost make a full top five on them, couldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Every match has been great. Well, Gagano's had what two Mautorita top five matches this year. I believe so. And yes. the rest have all been about four point seven five. So the yeah. guys at goddamn yeah, workhorse. Um, and Champa, the heel heat he's managed to garner off this feud. He had four months where he came out with no entrance music. And the yes. smarky NXT fans still booed him like he was the devil himself walking out. It was perfect. Well, his music was the fans chanting, fuck you, Champa. Yeah. That was his entrance music. <laughs> but how they kept that going for that long in that smarky an environment is ridiculous. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you think that Champa looks like Yellow Bastard from um, oh Sin God, City? He totally does. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're, like, they're like twins. <laughs> I love the way your brain makes connections, mate. It's honestly <laughs> the most beautiful thing about you. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so I want Champa and Gargano to stay in NXT forever. Just forever. Yes. Yeah, me too. They're very much... Sami Zayn was NXT to me. Um, once Sami Zayn went up, I felt a bit lost. Champa and Gargano have become NXT to me now. They're just amazing. They're amazing. Yeah, and uh, it was such a perfect moment. And the storyline made sense, and it continued to make sense. And even when they started to do like some risque shit, as you said, with Gagano eventually turning heel and stuff. Basically, I've read some NXT tapings today, and it goes even further into the future. And the fact that they're keeping it going is is just mind-boggling, and I'm quite okay with it. Yes, yeah, fantastic. It's gonna. Uh, I don't know when it will culminate, but. Um... I'm hoping it will culminate the night before Mania. I really, I really think something incredible is going to happen that night. Mm. I don't know where they can go though. If they're both like heel and they both maybe tag up in again in the future, like where do you go from that? But Gargano's heel as a result of a bit of a mental breakdown because Champ has got the better of him so many times, and I think Gargano can come back as a very strong face from that do you know what i mean do you reckon they could do almost remember daniel bryan with the bray uh with the wyatt family yeah kind of so the and brainwashed got... and then the snap yeah and we've got candice LeRae who can come in and sort of get gargano back to baby face do you know what i mean like there's yeah. i think there's there's options see this is what wrestling should this should like to get you disinvested in storylines where you start like second guessing stuff like it's a tv show like lost or something that, that, yeah, we haven't had a proper shit. conversation like we haven't had a conversation like that in years, have we? No. Because wrestling hasn't been good enough, like or a storyline hasn't been good enough. Um, but yeah, we can do it with Gargano and Champa. Easy, it's nice. Yeah, you can theorize until you're horse in the throat. Is that a saying? Mm. I feel like that's a saying. 
It's not. Don't know. You don't want a horse in your throat, mate. <laughs> you got a horse. In... <laughs> uh, so that's my uh, my number four. I regret making that gagging noise. I might take that. Yeah, out. I bet you do. Yep. Uh, t- tell people about the gi- giraffe I sent you earlier. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Jesse sent me a giraffe that performed oral pleasure on a fence pole, and it's graphic. <laughs> It's graphic. In fact, I might just get him to post it later on the Twitter just so you can all experience. No, no caption, no context to it. You're just going to watch this uh, giraffe satisfy a pole. <laughs> it's, I don't. I don't even know how I came across it. To be honest, yes, you do. Um, you seek that uh, out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, giraffedeepthroat.com. Um, <laughs> Don't Google it. <laughs> no, God, no. Um, giraffe cuckold. Um, so, very good. So, you took my number three, you son of a bitch. So, do you want to do your number three now, and then we'll be back on track? <clears throat> Unless I take, like, a number of yours. Well, then I'll be livid. Okay. Uh, my number three is Seth Rollins is Plan B. Raw, June 2nd, 2014. Yeah, all good. Continue. Really? Yeah. Hmm, okay. This is probably one of the most iconic, future iconic moments of the past, uh, this this era of wrestling. So Seth Rollins, with his brothers-in-arms, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, uh, swings a chair into the back of Seth Rollins. And again, you know you got a good portrayal on your hands. When he goes to swing that chair, you just hear... One single person go, no. <laughs> How do they go? No. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that should that should be a drop. No. Yeah. So. <laughs> is that your cum noise? That is actually no. It's only been a minute. Do you know what mine is? What's yours? Sorry. <laughs> For England. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's your half. Anyway, um, so the build-up of this was Evolution versus The Shield, if I remember correctly. I haven't really looked this up, in all honesty. I probably should have. <laughs> yeah, it's so iconic to you. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. It's not even in my top five. Yes, it was. Shield versus Evolution. Shield had had an elimination match with Evolution and won without a single Shield member being eliminated. Mental. How mental is that? Mental. That book is incredible. It is. And then... The next night, Triple H comes out. Got a nasty shiner on his uh, left eye as well, which I always thought was quite cool. Comes out with yeah, the sledgehammer. Yeah, adds to the badassery. Yeah, Randy Orton's to his side. I think Batista quit earlier in the night and probably my favourite quitting moment ever where he goes, I quit, and he just stands down and waves like the queen in the middle yeah. of the ring. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Good. I love it so much. Uh, so later on in the night, the shield are in the ring celebrating, and then Triple H and Randy come out. Triple H's got the sledgehammer over his shoulder, and he's like, there's a... Uh, always a... Uh, Plan B, uh, and everyone's like, oh, it's the sledgehammer. It's going to happen. And then she would start walking ready for a fight, and then Seth swings that chair and breaks the heart. Many a man in that arena, including myself. He does. And then wails on Dean Ambrose for an uncomfortable amount of time. (laughs) Really long time. He loves it. He really did enjoy it. And then Randy comes in, and he wails on Roman, and he undresses him. Gets... Not even joking, he does. He takes off his shirt. It's uncomfortable, guys. Wails on him a bit more. Starts unzipping himself. Camera zooms in. Gets really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got really into that then. Um, Seth does a... Batista's, Batista's watching backstage like a cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> and that's free. 
<laughs> Ooh, so uh and i forget seth rollins does a curb stomp to dean on the chair and randy does an rko to roman on the chair miss we very rarely successfully hits the hits their head on either chair or championship belt no yes. no one ever hits it properly i, I remember eddie guerrero and brock kind of came close but not really i was just about to say that um that uh, that is the first thing that popped into my head when you just said that yeah eddie and brock at no way out 2004 and it's such a shame because it's such a perfect match other than the fact that they just missed the belt with that ddt yeah, no one ever gets their timing right uh, uh, whoever gets their timing right in that kind of spot is the greatest wrestler in the world to me challenge yeah put out there for you all um <laughs> and then triple h comes in the ring he puts his arm around seth and you know I think Seth's got a bit of acting chops as well. He was kind of like conflicted inside. You could see it in his eyes. It was beautiful. And then Triple H just mastered the camera. I win. And I was like, that's a nice little touch as well. Good fucking job. Yeah, that no, was great. And and Seth, as you say, Seth did go on to prove that he was this incredible character. And, you know, he wins money in the bank. He cashes it in at Mania 31 and becomes this real um, sort of sniveling heel as WWE champion. But he was fantastic at it. And everyone was saying, you know, everyone obviously loved The Shield, but they always said that Seth Rollins seemed like a great athletic wrestler, but didn't really have the chops to promo or be a star. And fuck me, did he prove them wrong? He was in- He's incredible. Yeah, 100%. Um, he, yeah, he had one of the best kind of like modern WWE Championship runs I can remember, where you wanted to kind of tune in and see that something happened to the heel. I can't remember a time that has happened recently where I want the heel to kind of like get his comeuppance. I just thought the booking of Mania 31, I was so excited when that show ended because it was just done so well. And the booking of that is some of the best booking WWE have done in ages. I mean, they fucked it all up, obviously. But at the time, you think, so he lost to Randy Orton, uh, Seth lost to Randy Orton earlier that night. He cashes in on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So Roman, So Brock never... It was Roman that was pinned, so Brock never lost the title. Roman didn't get his fair shot at the title. You got Randy, who won against the now WWE champion earlier in the night. The amount of avenues they had—they had their whole year booked just from that WrestleMania. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just all these opponents that had a decent reason to fight Seth Rollins, and Seth being an absolutely, absolutely beatable champion as well. And beatable champions are always so much more fun to watch than your Brock Lesnar's or whatever, who just feel like monsters and win all the time. You want a champion that it feels like he, he could lose at any second. Yeah, definitely. I I love that WrestleMania. I don't know if it was because we yeah. watched it together and, as you say, we were so hyped afterwards and in such a great mood throughout the whole evening. I don't know what mm. it was, but that's just, that WrestleMania, it, it's got a special place in my heart. Top five, definitely. Yeah, it's weird. And there's no particular... There's no, like five-star incredible match on that wrestlemania or anything it's just the pacing of it and the way they did it was just great yeah loved it absolutely loved it and uh yeah fantastic and as we mentioned they made a star out of rollins and i i do miss shit eating rollins with his laugh the laugh is uh (laughs) something that will just stick with me forever and yeah it's a little disappointing we've got face rollins at the moment because i do want to go back to that eventually I'm sure he will one day. One day. Lovely. So what are we on then? Your number two, is it? Uh, yes, my number two, because you took my um, number three, you bitch. Um, number two. Uh, so this one, you'll see why 
I think when you see my last two, you'll see why I couldn't squeeze this shield in. Um, this is, I, I think I'm allowed this one. This oh. is um, Vince McMahon turns on Bret Hart at Survivor Series 1997, oh. also known as the Montreal Screwjob. So, this is interesting. I didn't even consider this. Right? So, because it's real life. So, but it's still an abs- it's absolutely a betrayal, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, and just obviously iconic moment. The first, the, the fact that it's real, it actually happened, is just mental. Like, you you try and have you ever tried to explain the Montreal screw job to someone who's not that interested? No, it's impossible. I've tried. It yeah. is absolutely impossible. I've tried to do it a couple of times. And explaining what bits are real and what bits aren't and is just so difficult to do. And it's like, but it's just an incredible story. You know, you obviously watch Wrestling with Shadows, um, the Bret Hart documentary, and that covers it very, very well. Um, it's, yeah, just, you can't beat, with the exception of one, my number one, you cannot beat this betrayal for how iconic it was, how it changed the business, um, and completely ruined Bret Hart's career. You know, he didn't have much luck in WCW, and this was his parting WWE match, you know, it's um, it's not good. It's not good. That's that's one way to describe <laughs> it. Not good for the hitman. But um, and also, uh, it's cool because like the internet was in its infancy at the time, but you can still wrestling forums did still exist in 1997. Just and you can go back um, through various websites and sort of look at these antique forums and see what people thought and stuff and there was less insider stuff flying around you know you had to have a proper subscription to um Meltzer back then um and it is brilliant it's brilliant reading all these early internet posts of people having no idea what the fuck happened it's just it's great it's like the birth of birth of internet smarks getting worked and freaking out i can't even imagine that like happening like being in that time and, and it happening with with not direct access to like reddit or any kind of forum and this happens in the middle of the match, and Brett's spelling out WCW. It, it, it's insane yeah. to even like comprehend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gobs in Vince McMahon's face with amazing oh, aim. Oh, it was beautiful, wasn't it? And it was a good thick one. Like, I, obviously, he yeah. was kind of cotton mouth from from the match, which which really added to it. But yeah, right in the eye. Yeah, it must be a heart thing because uh, do you remember WrestleMania ten after Owen and Brett have their opening match? They interview Owen backstage, and he's got a massive bit of gob on his face and all that's come out of his mouth. Yeah. And um, it, it takes it takes away half a star of that match for me. <laughs> Just staring at it. Uh, look at it. Hanging there. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, excellent choice. Excellent choice. And yeah, well done, Jesse. You, you've surprised me. There you go. See? that? Can you hear that? that I don't know. Want to ask what that is? That's me clicking my fingers together, you know, like Ali G, oh, like because I'm all happy. Oh, I see. Got yeah. you. Okay. My number two is I'm kind of worried is your number one. But uh. I feel like you... <laughs> gross. <laughs> but I feel like you wouldn't have mentioned Batista because I would like to say that Randy Orton getting kicked out of Evolution on August sixteenth, two thousand four, is the second best betrayal. Okay, uh, no, I it's not my number one. So um, this is good news. Um, I I do like it very much, um, but uh, it's not in my top five because I didn't want it to happen so much. I wasn't happy. Uh, Randy Orton obviously won the world heavyweight title from Chris Benoit um, at SummerSlam 2004. I'm sorry, redacted. And um, 
Chris Benoit was and still is, you know, my favourite in-ring wrestler. Um, and But Randy Orton was very quickly becoming certainly my favourite heel. I thought he was fantastic in the first half of 2004 with his intercontinental run and stuff. Um, really, really good. And so when he won the world title, I was like, shit, that sucks that Benoit's lost it. But at least we've got this, um, at least we've got this sort of cool heel that isn't Triple H to hold the world title. And that all went tits up the night after because of this. It's true. I, I think what kind of resonates with me was kind of how shocking it was. You know, Evolution was a unit. And obviously when I was watching, I wasn't like into, oh, let's see where they go with the storyline. It, it was kind of a case where I just used to watch it. And then when they were all celebrating, I was like, yeah, look at his buddies there, being all supportive, <laughs> wishing him well. Isn't that sweet? And then when he gets him up on his shoulders and you're like, oh, this is a nice moment. I'm going to remember this forever. And then Triple H just does the thumbs down. Batista drops him. And I'm fairly certain if you watch back the video, he like headbutts him in the nards. It's a brutal electric yeah, chair drop. It's a real brutal Randy one. goes into that position of, I've just been kicked in the nuts. That's the position he assumes. We all know that. We all know that position. Every male listening, you know the position I'm talking about, even if you haven't seen this moment. And yeah, and it's an uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortably long beatdown. Like yeah, it goes on. It does go on a while. For, yeah, too, a little bit too long, which is why, in retrospect, I kind of like it. it. It's like recently with Charlotte on on Ronda. I was a bit like, oh shit, that they made us a no, no DQ. Ten minutes into the beatdown, I went, yeah, I'm okay with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. And um, there's a good bit. You can see Triple H blades Randy Orton as well. And um, something in this I noticed from earlier, you can actually see the blade on the map. Um, oh, really? Yeah, there's a bit where Randy's kind of lying over and they kind of zoom in on him. And right next to Ric Flair's foot is the uh, is the razor blade. Oh, that's interesting. To be fair, I think razor blades just fall out of Ric Flair wherever he goes anyway. <laughs> so that, that, that might be where that came from. Tears and razor blades. That's going to be the rap <laughs> tribute album to, to Ric Flair when he passes away. <laughs> the Ric Flair drip Rick or whatever Flair it's called drip. oh bless him so yeah I just thought it was such a cool moment and as you said with your number 5 with uh, Trish and Christian and Jericho it just took me completely by surprise Evolution was a unit they'd been around for the past what two years at this point and they just dominated Raw so I just didn't see this coming in my head when I was watching it I was like cool they've got the Raw title still in Evolution you know they can just continue dominating it's fine but no, should have known, should have known. Well, this is, you know, when I was talking about the Batista Triple H and how Vince just wanted to spunk the storyline straight away. And um, I feel like this is why Triple H said no, let's long it out, because this was all over so quickly, wasn't it? This um, Randy, I mean, next pay-per-view, Triple H just wins the title back from Randy Orton and that's it, really. And it's... It was too quick. They could have longed this out and made it an epic story by not doing the betrayal the night after Randy wins the title to long it out and just tell a good story, but they didn't. Yeah, and obviously he loses the title. It was a month later, wasn't it? Three weeks, yes. I think it works out. And it's, yeah, that kind of kills the momentum of Randy. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because uh, they said he he couldn't cope, didn't they, with um, that amount of fame, that young and yeah. quick. Uh, and so he started pooing in Diva's handbags and stuff. <laughs> oh, classic Randy. How we missed him. As, as he wants to do. And um, touching his willy and shaking hands with people, which is fine. I mean, we all do it. The only difference is that he let you know he was doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I've... No, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> 
You know when, like, you go to say something and you see, like, the recording recording flashing, you're like, yeah, fuck it, it's not worth it. Yes. It's worse for me, mate. At least you're the one that edits this podcast. I say something and I think, oh, no, that's that's gone. <laughs> that's there forever now. He's going to leave that <laughs> in there. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, exactly. Because I can't ask you to take it out because I just know you won't. And it makes you look weak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would never ask you to take anything out. Even my racial tirades. <laughs> I do take those out. Benoit <laughs> hunting children on roundabouts. I leave that in. I leave that in. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts, sorry. It's double leveled. It's okay. Double layered, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what's your number one there, mate? My number one. Um, yeah, I, I can see why this probably isn't in your um, in your top five. Never uh, know. Because you're, you're not a fan of the of these things. But it's the, it's the biggest it's the biggest portrayal of all time. It's um, Hulk Hogan turns on the entire fucking universe and joins the NWO at Battle of the Beach 1996, WCW. I thought this would be your number one. It is my number one. I know. <laughs> so, so you guessed right. Um, <laughs> Good. So this, <laughs> we're all friends. Excellent. Um, so this what what hasn't been said about this? Like this is the biggest. Betrayal. This made WCW into a WWF battering company. This one move. And I can still watch it now. I love it. I love watching it now, knowing that, you know, that what's going to happen because you watch Hogan come out and it's like, oh, Hogan's here to save the day. Right on. And Hogan's walking down the ramp and you can see it in his eyes. Like when you watch it back in his eyes and he's thinking, am I about to make the biggest Am I about to kill my career? You know, they, there's, there was no evidence to suggest that this heel turn was going to work. It, he was just, he must have been thinking this might be the end of me as a professional wrestler. You know, people are just not going to take yeah. it seriously. And I, this leg drop on Randy Savage could be disastrous. And he does it. And Hulk Hogan, I think, then does one of the greatest promos um, in wrestling history. Uh, with Mean Gene um, in the ring, everyone throwing garbage at the ring. Um, Hogan just does an incredible job. And I think it comes because Hogan had been getting booed a lot because people were bored of um, Hulk Hogan, you know, sort of John Cena syndrome or Roman Reigns even syndrome, just bored of the same old shit, um, just booing him and booing him and booing him. And it was obvious that that's what was happening. So I think Hogan turning heel here and the way he speaks on the mic comes from a very real place when he's saying about, you know, these fans can stick it, brother, and all that stuff, is exactly how he felt. And it just comes across beautifully. And obviously, the NWO is, we all know about it, it's iconic, and this was the start of it. And, yeah, I think as much as we could laugh at Hulk Hogan or hate Hulk Hogan for various things... You, you cannot fault the man on this night, if nothing else. He did an absolutely incredible job. It's one of the most iconic moments in wrestling. There's no arguing with that. Even if he didn't understand what stable he was joining and getting the name wrong, it was still uh, <laughs> an enjoyable... But the name didn't... So he said the New World Organisation, <laughs> I believe. Uh, he just misremembered. That's fine. He's an old man. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it is iconic. And no one can doubt the importance it had on wrestling history. In, in general. I love talking about wrestling history like it's important. <laughs> it's important to me. <laughs> but no, and, and then commentary as well, selling it like an absolute dream. I told you, I told you from the get-go. Oh, it's great. So that story, so that Bobby Heenan from like 
you know, his WWF days had been saying that Hulk Hogan, you know, there's uh, that Hulk Hogan can't be this good guy. There's got to be, you know, something under the surface. I reckon. I don't think he's a good guy at all. Bobby Heenan had been saying that for years, you know, transcending companies. And he was finally able to say, I told you. I so. think that's it was my incredible. favorite moment of it. That's my favorite moment of that whole turn is just Bobby Heenan. It just makes it so, so good. It's great. And you think, and you sort of, you go back and the, the way they did the storyline that Hulk Hogan had been um, sort of behind the scenes heel or still with the WWF, because that was sort of the idea of the NWO storyline at first. Um for years you know so he'd been with wcw for a few years at this point and the idea was that he'd always been so all these babyface storylines he did in wcw he was actually like this wwf bastard deep down do you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. it's great iconic i'm glad you picked that because for my number one i've also gone for an iconic uh betrayal and i was wondering if we were okay. going to the same one uh, happened January 12th, 1992. Marty Jannetty jumps through a window. Ah, the barbershop. So this is the... Yeah, in many ways, this is the definitive... Um, betra- uh, b- definitive turning on your partner, at least, isn't it? I feel this like the, this um, had to be mentioned by, by one of us. Yes. <laughs> had to kind of be said. I didn't really know kind of... Like, I was doing the research on this, and I didn't really understand the background of all of this and how deep it kind of goes. This wasn't just a segment... This had been kind of broiling from real life situations that have been going on. Um, Michael's talked about in his book where Janetti claimed WCW were willing to give them a really high pay paycheck, um, and they phoned Vince McMahon and were like, "You know, WC's offering us this. You know, give us all this money, or we're just going to quit." And Vince goes, "All right, then, you're fired." <laughs> and I feel like this was obviously this was round about Michael's bastard days. Michaels was very surprised by this, um, and he went to Vince McMahon and said, you know, this was all Janetti's idea. I had no idea he was going to phone you and say all of this stuff. You know, I don't want to leave the WF. I love you guys. And they decided to, like, bring them back on and keep them, and, like, Michaels would turn heel. And then there was, like, other stuff going on where Roddy Piper instigated a fight between them when they were drunk. Where, <laughs> where Piper and the, the two of them were drunk, and Piper kept saying, like... Um, Michaels has a great future in the business. Michaels is all the talent in the tag team, which he was correct in saying. And it turns out that uh, that's not that's not fair. Michael, um, the fuck off. Michaels people, is all people, the talent. No people people misremember Marty Janetti because people say, "Oh, so and so is the Marty Janetti of that tag team." That doesn't mean that um, that Marty Janetti wasn't talented. Marty Janetti was a very good wrestler. He just didn't have any success. Marty Janetti was that's a good wrestler, but Shawn Michaels was a great wrestler. Yes, I, obviously Shawn Michaels is a much better wrestler and the one of the best wrestlers of all time. But to say Marty Jannetty was not talented is completely no, deluded. I, I won't he say he's not talented, a... but Michaels was so much more. Yes, him. okay. Um, so they got into a fight, Piper pulled the two apart, Michaels passed out, um, didn't regain consciousness until the next day. Um, the police were called and arrested Janetti, and it took Randy Savage to step in to say Obviously. that uh, it's a storyline, even though he had no idea what the cause of the fight was in the first place. He just said, oh, it's a storyline <laughs> we're doing for wrestling. Um, and this Michael's almost actually left the company due to this, 
And, um, yeah, then the Rockers, the WF decided we need to break up the Rockers, which is when the infamous barbershop, any fan of wrestling who's listening to this, but anyone who, I know there's a fair few of you who, like, don't know the history of wrestling, there was a bar, uh, I can never pronounce his name right, and I've had a few drinks, Beefcake, Brutus Beefcake, Barber Brutus Beefcake. Brutus, yeah, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Fucking hell, that's exhausting. He had a barber shop where it was like an interview segment and they'd like talk through their like issues that they were having and they kind of Marty said, I'll turn my back and if you want to leave the rockers, you can leave the rockers and then Michaels turned around, shook his hand, gave him a hug and it's like, Oh, we're gonna be fine, we're gonna be fine. By the way, Shawn Michaels had that weird like you know when wrestlers debut in their first couple of years and they've got that weird I've been doing bridges for all of my life neck. <laughs> It's yeah, the, 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 the redacted neck. Yeah, the redacted neck. Dolph Ziggler, when he debuted, had this neck. Yeah. Horrible to look at. And then Sean's like, ah, we're fine. But then he super kicks him, throws him through the uh, plank glass window, and the greatest commentary of all time, which still gets referenced to this day, Marty Janetti the Coward tried to run through the window to escape. I just... <laughs> it's brilliant. And Marty Bladed, which was like un- kind of unheard of at the time, back in like 1991... Um, yeah, certainly. I, that this is very much the cartoon era of um, of Raw as well. So you, uh, I don't think Vince was happy with that. You know, Vince didn't want blood on his show at this time. No, no, and it was, um, yeah, just kind of kept going from there. And and the thing is, Janetti kind of screwed himself in this regard because this would have led to a massive Michaels Janetti feud, obviously, because it was the Rockers that were breaking up, huge tag team at the time. But um, Ginetti was arrested and put under house arrest because he had um, possession of cocaine, drug paraphernalia, and resisting arrest. And this is when Sean started to develop the heartbreak kid, do stuff with Sherry. And then by the time Marty came back, the momentum was pretty much gone. And Sean had already, you know, risen to where he needed to rise to. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So don't do drugs, kids. Even though I'm fair, you know, slanderous as this is, it was probably Michael's that got Ginetti instead of drugs in the first place. <laughs> Fight me, Michael. Don't try and bag your daughter either. What? What? Do you remember when Marty Ginetti got in trouble about a year or oh, two shit. ago for trying to bang his daughter? Mm. I do. Do what you remember that? Concept? Yeah, I do. I just try to remember the context of that. Was it his stepdaughter or. No, no. So he was. Nope. Um, <laughs> No, <laughs> so he was put in contact. He never met her before. So he was reconnected with his now adult daughter, um, who he never met, and, um, and found her very attractive. So he took to social media um, to ask his fans um, if, because he hadn't raised her and they'd had nothing to do with each other, um, is it okay <laughs> to bang her? Such a Jesse Benzas tweet. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so come on, I, guys, I like vote on the poll. Yes or no? Yeah. Where are we? I at? like the. I like the Marty. You know, he asked his own personal Marty Janetti Milky Way universe, and and they all responded in kind with <laughs> no. <laughs> guys, if you stay tuned for the next eighteen years, those are the kind of questions you'll be getting from us. <laughs> Enjoy. Stick around. Stick around. You're for a ride. <laughs> oh, be good. Have you heard the story of when the Rockers were first fired from WE? Um, so they they were fired and then brought back. Um, yeah. in the very early days uh, this is in Sean's book as well so they get called to Vince's office they're both there and um, sort of in the queue of people talking to Vince and then Vince comes out looks at Sean who's wearing these cowboy boots and Vince goes hmm nice boots pal those boots were made for walking <laughs> just kidding come in and then just takes him into the office and fires him 
Oh, Vinnie Mac, never change. Never <laughs> I change. Was, I just thought that was brilliant. Just the way Sean tells it as well. He's like, yeah, there's boots made for walking. No, just kidding. Yeah, you're, fine, you're, fine. you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah, I feel like that's kind of like one of the most iconic and what started the betrayal thing going on. So it had to be mentioned as like the number one. But Very good. We've got a... Um, we haven't heard from him in a while. We've kind of... I think it's been a good, like, two months of us ignoring the Got Till Five Milky Way universe. We haven't asked some Jack, have we? Do not give a shit what people think. In fact, I haven't refreshed this in a while. Have we got any more? Yeah, a couple more. Let's, let's pretend they didn't come in. <laughs> you snooze, you lose, bitches. Or we just never ask you. Oh, it's fine. It's Flair Betroosting again. Oh, yeah, that's going to be there a lot. So, yeah. we got a lot of messages. We're not going to read all of them because... <sighs> we've got stuff to do i haven't eaten this we do we do we do appreciate them though we do yeah (laughs) thank you thanks yeah we do really do the milky way universe is strong and we love you lot so much do you remember us when we started this podcast like begging people to talk to us begging we'd get like one response and we'd be like oh we're gonna read like the whole thing and yeah no uh so the the, the top pride thing... comes before a fall exactly the top thing people talk so about is careful. uh champa and gargano because wrestling fans have memories of a fish uh yeah. the next one gado turning on okada this person says i fucking wanted gado double dead when he betrayed okada yeah especially for um the fact that it was jay white that he sided but out of all the people to side with you side with a kid that looks like i could have bullied him at school right yeah gado <laughs> stupid gado stupid gado Oh, it was, it was the worst chair shot ever. It was like Gato didn't want to do it. He was so like yeah. torn about doing it. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, we'll see what happens at uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Are we? Uh, I like that when when Gato occasionally wrestles, like in um, he wrestles in the Super Juniors, doesn't he? And things. Um, uh, I like that his finisher is basically interesting pins. Yes. He just he just does like interesting roll ups, doesn't he? That's his. That's how he finishes matches. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, it's great. I like it. Are we watching Wrestle Kingdom together this year? Uh, if you can make it down, sure. All right. Yeah, definitely. Cool. We and can sort that out. Nice. Making plans. Uh, the next one is Stone Cold shaking hands with Satan himself. This was in my honourable mentions. Uh, we we've debated this many times on the podcast, but I think it's important. I think it was stupid. Yeah, we know. Um, we're gonna skip <laughs> the ones that we've read. Da, da, da. Owens betraying Jericho. This is my number six, by the way. My number six. Because I really wanted to put it in there, but it led to such a disappointing feud and WrestleMania blow off match. Are we good? No. Ha, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it did. But the festival yeah, the friendship was incredible. Is one of my favorite moments of the past, like, 10 years. It's incredible. Yes. Um, I completely agree. When Jericho takes out the new list. And he's all the whole segment is just fucking magic. And he pulls out the uh, list and he goes, Why is my name on here? And then reveals it says the list of KO. Oh, yeah. Jericho. You broke my heart there. And Cole, um, not Cole. Cole wouldn't make a call of the year. Corey made a call of the year. There are three certainties in life death, taxes, and Jericho, and Owens being best friends. And one of those things doesn't exist anymore. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So good. Uh, what else we got? Um, Hulk Hogan betraying Sid Justice. Fuck off. Um, okay. <laughs> Owen Hart kicking Brett's leg out of... Yeah, Owen Hart betraying Brett. And then he does the promo where he's like, I kicked his leg out of his leg. There was... Yeah, I'm jumping <laughs> back. Sorry, I know you just skirted over it. But um, Sid um, Justice and Hulk Hogan 
Uh, just before they fall out, because the whole lead up to their match was them being like begrudgingly mates, even though, you know, Justice was doing well and Hogan was the champ. And there's a really funny bit, and I can't remember what show it's on now, but I watched it on the network. And um, after they've won a tag team match together or something, um, Hulk Hogan is doing his posing in the ring and he gets Sid Justice to join him. And Sid Justice is doing that like, oh, no, I can't. Oh, God. And so then he gets in and he's doing the posing with Hulk Hogan. And then whilst he's doing it, Hulk Hogan just rips Sid Vicious's um, shirt off of him. And it's just like really homoerotic and weird. <laughs> oh, wrestling. Never gets old. Uh, um, Matt Hardy burning down Jeff Hardy's trailer and killing his dog. Out of context, that sounds weird, but that's exactly what happened. That is what happened. And it came from a real life thing where Jeff Hardy's house had actually burned down and his dog had actually died in the house fire. And they, thought, and they used it. it as a storyline. Their storyline yeah. was Matt just trying to murder his brother because the pyro got rigged to like blow up in Jeff's face. He tried to commit actual murder. Yeah, he did. For, for no real reason. Yeah. I don't think a motive was ever given. Uh, this person commented, so like someone said Marty Gennetti cowardly diving through a window instead of making up with his friend Shawn Michaels, which is the joke. And then Very good. someone's well commented underneath going, I'm kind of new to this. What's the joke exactly? I know they break up, but how did he escape through the window? And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, see, this is it. Just, yeah, ed- educating people on these weird old moments of, even in a few years when we have a new generation of new wrestling fans, imagine explaining the Festival of Friendship to them. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be difficult, but it will make sense. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Shane screwing over Foley at Survivor Series 98, a couple of Rock's heel turn. Um, best moment of this is Shane coming out and doing the um, fake free count where he's one, two, holds, and then just double birds Austin. <laughs> yeah, that I was like that. brilliant. That was brilliant. Yeah, I never even really considered that one. Um, CM Punk turning on Ring of Honor as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, great shout. They um, had, yeah, the, the sort of final summer of Punk was amazing with all that. Yeah. Um, anytime Kevin Owens has turned on Al Generico, Sami Zayn. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah the turn um, at his debut night that NXT the same night Sami Zayn won the NXT title um, was stunning. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know I made fun of this person earlier, but I'll read out anyway. Larry Zabisco turning on Bruno Sammartino. Someone commented underneath there are, there aren't a lot of folks here old enough to know and appreciate the significance of this, but this was Hogan <laughs> joining Hall and Nash big. It's true. Like I've I've watched the Bruno Sammartino documentaries and all of that. It was ridiculously big. I can't. I can't pretend to know enough about Bruno Sammartino or Larry Zabisco to know about it. Really, I do love a bit of Larry Zabisco, especially commentary. God love him on the commentary. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I remember him as a commentator in WCW. I've watched a lot of that, but as a wrestler, not so much. Yeah, uh, Undertaker drowning Paul Bearer in concrete. That was weird. I remember that. That was Great American Bash 2004. That wasn't long after Taker had come back, was it? Um, no, uh, maybe a twenty. Uh, yeah that was weird that was against the Dudleys Mm. so the Dudleys had sort of found a way to control Taker or something and then Taker ends up beating the Dudleys so we think Paul Bearer's safe but Taker's like no Paul and ends up drowning him in concrete anyway and then next week it's just business as usual it wasn't a big heel turn for Taker or anything Taker just carried on with his life buried a man and you actually saw it like filling up I don't know it was weird um, one I wanted to read out which made me chuckle earlier when God backed away from Sean in his tag match versus Sean and Shane Vince and Shane Sean and Shane he then he even <laughs> cowardly watched the Spirit Squad put Sean through a table I was like well done for your obscure reference and knowing exactly what we like to talk about yeah that's brilliant Backlash 2000 and 
six, I think. Um, yeah, fantastic. God, yeah, God left, um, made sure Michael's looked like a bitch, and Sean still loves God, um, even after that betrayal, because Sean is a cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for... <laughs> Uh, another one uh, a couple of like obscure mentions uh, Jimmy Havoc being one he did kind of <laughs> being a cockhole to God is just a really <laughs> you're right that <laughs> that's, that's just a funny thing yeah sorry carry Jimmy on Jimmy Havoc turning on basically progress and having one of the best storylines to progress or anyone who's written in the past like five to ten years absolutely incredible storyline for any of our American listeners who don't like watch progress or have like tuned in recently get the subscription and just watch the rise of Jimmy Havoc and be more entertained than you've ever been in your life. One of the best heels the industry has ever seen without question. Without, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Flair Betray Sting, as me just mentioned before we came on air, that happened every week, so it was embarrassing. <laughs> Sting was like the most gullible dude yeah, in the world. I'll be your best friend. And yeah, there's, there's a couple like more random ones, but I, I feel like, you know... They're just trying to be smarky at that point. Um, I, one I wanted to kind of mention, but I didn't want to be smarky myself, was uh, Adam Cole getting super kicked out of Bullet Club. That's like my favourite Bullet Club turn um, with uh, Marty Skrull joining joining Bullet Club. I love that moment. That was good. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, actually, because um, obviously people go to NXT and sort of start these new lives and you very quickly move on, don't you? But um, yeah, you're right. That was a great moment. Oh, a lot of the Bullet Club kickouts have been great. They did it to Fergal, and they did it to um, Kenny Omega. Did it to AJ Styles as well. It's just yeah, um, e- really, really even cool. uh, recently with like Tamatonga and Firing Squad and stuff. When um, Tamatonga came out and just beat the shit out of the Elite and Cody and stuff, I was genuinely shocked and just like, oh my god, what's yeah. going on? You know, OG Bullet Club. I, I love yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. doing with Firing Squad at the moment, and yeah, I hope that kind of continues. But yeah when Kenny Omega came on the Titan Tron and was like, Adam Cole, you're fired. You know, every good guy has a villain and Mighty Skrull's in the ring with the Bullet Club umbrella. It was just such a cool moment. It was a cool moment. Um, another good moment I thought of, and I don't know if this counts as a betrayal or as a heel turn. I suppose top five heel turns we could do another time, couldn't we? And it would be a different list. Yeah. But um, sort of when Cody Rhodes had his first Ring of Honor match and against Jay Lethal do you remember and he'd been doing the indies and he was this sort of everyone was so proud of Cody for leaving WE and do and going out on his own and stuff and he'd been having these great indie matches and then has this Ring of Honor match against Jay Lethal I think it was and um, and he turns heel in that match and so that sort of betraying the Ring of Honor audience who were so ready to be behind Cody yeah, as this 100%. new indie star and the fans just lost their shit like they just hated Cody for what he did and Cody was acting like such a petulant like the way he was running around and like sort of dodging everyone trying to catch him and stuff it was just fucking brilliant yeah cody's kind of like character working of people like we, we've mentioned before how we don't really like watch enjoy watching him in ring but character wise no one better yeah i agree it out. so those are our top five portrayals and those are all of the audience's uh portrayals as well i feel like we've covered the best of the best um you need moments of wrestling obviously match is important but those moments that build to these feuds are just as important as anything else so we hope you agree and if you didn't tough <laughs> suck it down there <laughs> suck it down there <laughs> uh we'll be back in two weeks time please go and check out game till five our sister show we're we're very proud to have them as part of the got till five network a lot of you nerds like video games as well so you know and and they're ladies 
They are ladies. You guys this like ladies. Well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't personally done the full inspection, but, um, <laughs> <Neither> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they're both. I'm pretty sure they're both ladies. <laughs> so go and check out Game Till Five, but also, um, yeah, don't abandon us because if you do, we will find you. And you will die. You've bouncing. got enough time in your life. Yeah. Yes, you will all die bouncing. You've got enough time in your lives for one more podcast. Come on, guys, exactly. make it game till five. And don't leave us. Support the Got Till Five brand. We're building a brand here. That's what we're attempting to do. Attempting, he says. Exactly. Um, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. Thank you for everyone who tuned into this episode and the ones previously. Thank you to the Elliot Jordan Experience for joining us at uh, what feels like a week ago for an interview. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time. We've got two shows left, guys, of 2018. And these two shows are going to be a recap of the year previously, which we've tried to done. We tried to do last year, but we had audio recording issues. That won't happen this time. So Yeah, we recorded a whole fucking show that... Is lost. Didn't actually get recorded. Is lost. Yeah, we just we just chatted to each other for two hours for no reason whatsoever. We hated it. So we're going to be looking at the top five most shocking moments of 2018 on the 14th of December because there's been a lot this year. Lots of stuff's gone on, and that will be not really WE focused. This is going to be kind of industry wide. I feel. And then on the 28th of December to round out the year when you're all stuffed with turkey and you just want to chill out and listen to some guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, God, I'm so full of turkey. I just want to hear some guys. <laughs> some guys in my ear, God. You can listen to us, guys, on the 20th of December, talking about our top five matches of 2018. So make sure you stay tuned to that. Follow us everywhere at Got Till Five. Jesse, what's the website which is now enhanced for for mobile and desktop? The website that is enhanced for mobile and desktop is gottill5.com. Make sure you check that out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you all in two weeks' time. Love you. Goodbye. Good night. Bye, all. Bye. Wait. (laughs) What? Oh. (laughs) You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five.